When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When we talk about sports and racing shrouded in history, you don't get much more prestigious and iconic than the triple crown of racing in the United States. The Kentucky Derby, the Preakness and the Belmont Stakes are a series of three-year-old races that hold so much value and have produced some of the great champions the sport has ever seen. And over the weekend, a new story was written into the famous book when Arcangelo slipped through on the rail and kicked clear over the last furlong and a half. He made his sit trainer, Gina Antonucci. Gina Antonucci, the first female ever to win the Belmont Stakes and the first ever to win a Triple Crown race. Gina is only the 11th woman to saddle a Belmont runner in the 155-year history of the race. And amidst all the emotion, she headed down to embrace her runner. She delivered a quote for the ages. What's your message to those who maybe didn't believe that this would happen? Never give up. And if you can't find a seat at a table, make your own table. And build your team and never give up. Never give up. And if you can't find a seat at the table, make your own table. We're not sure if Virginia expected to be a global superstar at this stage, 48 hours after the race. But she is and she's with us now, Gina. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I watched the race. Um, I, I, I just thought it was one of the, the most fantastic stories. Um, what does it feel like, to be honest, to make history the way you have? It's, it's just been kind of surreal and, um, you know, you definitely don't go into a race feeling um, that as the, the leading thought and of your organization, of your plan. It's let's go out and execute. And so executing the plan has definitely yielded um, what sounds like we did a thing and made some history. It sounds like you did, um, uh, along with uh, jockey uh, Javier uh, Castellano, of course, who, trip, who completed his own personal triple crown. What were your instructions? Can you tell us your instructions heading into the race because you're out of the three barrier? We um, had spoken um, the day prior, obviously busy day ahead. Don't need to try and uh, map out a, a grade one race in the paddock, um, you know, at, at post time. So we had spoken uh, <coughs> previously, excuse me, and basically um, the most important part was just that I wanted him to lean into feeling the race. Um, we, no secret at this level, you kind of know who, who's going to do what and what their potential strategies are going to be. So we expected um, National Treasure where he was, um, expected Ilmar Colo to obviously be up more so he didn't break as expected, which shifted to some of the dynamic early. Um, I think Archangelo was a tick more in the bridle than we had anticipated early on into the first turn, but I think it was a, a healthy in the bridle where he was just competitive, finding his spot. He took that breath on the backside and allowed Javier to put his hands down and just get into a nice cadence down the backstretch. And we thought we would be tipping out and going around coming for home. So um, he had tucked into Johnny's blind spot a little bit behind National Treasure. And because I had asked him, I said, how was it possible that that rail opened up the way that it did? Obviously, it was crazy and he said I just think I was in his blind spot and he was 
you know, looking obviously for Forte and Tapa Trice to see where they were and it allowed him just to um, cut that corner the way that he did. And um, the biggest conveyance that we had in our messaging was to make sure that we, we wanted to get an early jump on the field knowing that our cruising speed is, is pretty solid coming home and it, it has a, a pretty long sustained run that we wanted Archangelo to get a jump on him, knowing that if he could, that they would have to come and catch us and run us down. Um, and we felt fairly confident that they wouldn't have enough time to get to us. So um, cutting the turn, obviously, and, and everyone else having to go wide with Johnny having a smart tactical ride to float out those guys. Uh, we appreciated that. And when he um, eyeballed, eyeball national treasure treasured and had so much room on the rail and just went on, it, it was just surreal. Surreal. Jenna Louis here beautifully explained and he, he won like a, a gorgeous horse. The way he settled and he just got into his rhythm, as you say, and he, he had lungs full with uh, oxygen as he was turning and he, he looked the winner from a long way out. That, that rails run is probably what every trainer dreams of going into a grade one or a group one race, but you, you probably never think that it's going to pan out that way. So at what point, and we've all seen the video of you watching it back on your screen, at what point did you know he was home and when did it start? to kind of dawn on you that it was happening um that stretch obviously belmont is such a an immense size and it's it's not only a mile and a half you know one turn around the track but it's it's also very wide it's it's a an impressive impressive um surface and so it's easy to kind of get lost when you're watching it on the screen versus trying to watch the horse live. We're standing there. So I was cross-referencing exactly where we were as I was looking back and forth. And um, when I saw him come through, give him that second to look at him and then go. And when he got that couple of lengths and he sustained the couple lengths for probably a good, I would say almost um, probably a three sixteens. He sustained that. And I, obviously I'm, guesstimating it um once we got inside inside the eighth and then inside that last 16th he wasn't stopping and they weren't gaining enough and javier wasn't really you know demanding much more he was just riding out the race it was just so many so much it's like he just it's slow motion in, in, in that in that moment Gina, obviously a massive uh, day for women in racing, of course. Uh, we're New Zealand, we have uh, many, many uh, female trainers and jockeys uh, with great success over the years, but this is uh, so global. Tell us about your setup uh, back at home, um, how many horses you actually do race or you have in work, etc., uh, and the distances you have to travel. Um, I run a, a bit of a unique kind of business. Um, Racing is part of what we do. It's not the only thing that we do. Um, we also do with horseology, um, breaking and training and sales prep and buying young horses, whether to invest in or to um, se um, sell for other people or to develop to go on to other trainers and, and racing as like. So, you know, I've created um, a table since you brought up the quote. <laughs> that was a, an inadvertent um, uh, quote, but it, it, I understand why it resonates. So um, our table is made up of um, some pretty dynamic women that I'm super blessed to, to work with. And Fiona Goodwin is my assistant and she's been with me for over a decade and really is the A point person at the racetrack and um, is just, she's Irish and a phenomenal horsewoman. And her husband, Robert, is a um, from the Philippines originally and um, 
is has been our Angelo's main main pilot through this to this point, and um, Katie Miranda, my business partner um, with Horseology, you know, does tons at the farm, and so it's it's a, a great group um, under our umbrella. You know, we may have forty to fifty in our hands from racing all the way through um, to retirement. So can I, can I ask you um, who've been your, your biggest influences on the training side of, of uh, your career? I'm a student of observation. Um, I love watching horses and watching people and um, watching what has worked and hasn't worked. Um, I've always been um, so I'm impressed with how Graham motion handles, you know, his life and how he handles such a, a wide array of, of all of his interests in the industry, you know, Bill Mott, um, Shug McGahee, um, and even, you know, Chad Brown, I mean, all the, the big, the big guys and, and how they do it. And, you know, watching some of the women before me and now, and, and, and not just all the good, you know, you've got to watch the bad to understand and to see, where and what is a misstep so that we can grow and, and continue to represent the industry worldwide in a, in a best possible light that we are able. Uh, as Smithy said, Jenna, I mean, we've, we've seen, you know, the, the gay waterhouses, um, Moira Murdoch. So we've got, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, could, we could rattle off uh, plenty. Um, uh, Dawn Williams and, uh, you know, like, it goes on down here in New Zealand of, uh, of our trainers that have kind of paved the way. You guys What's figured it out a long time ago. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe we did, and I don't know. Obviously, as you're aware, New Zealand and America are two entirely different places, but can you give us a bit of perspective around the landscape that you work in? I mean, how many other female trainers are there? How hard is it to progress a horse from a maiden to the Belmont? Like, you know, what sort of mountain did you climb? Um, you know, when you're living it and doing it, I think you just keep taking one step at a, at a time. And, um, you know, an American football analogy, sometimes to get down the field, you've got to work the sidelines and go left to right more than down the field. Um, and so I think might, might relate into rugby a little bit too, but, um, I would be a little bit green in, in that analogy. Um, so it's, you know, in, in women in, in racing in America is not as fashionable as what you're able to embrace, um, in New Zealand. And, and I, I think it's growing, but I also think, um, as much as it's growing, it's probably more women wanting to run a business and wanting to be, um, the first seat and wanting to make all of the decisions. I think sometimes historically, maybe women were, wanted to be, you know, let me do the work back here because this is what makes me happiest and you go deal with all of that out there. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, just whatever people want to do at the level they want to do, it just do it exceptionally well. And um, I've said that over and over. So, you know, in developing Archangelo from the farm to teaching him the ropes to breaking his maiden to the Belmont, um, it's just been really leaning into him and letting him lead us um, as he was growing and as he was continuing to figure himself out and mature. You know, when we look at uh, racing and we look at a, a race like the Belmont Stakes or other Triple Crown races, uh, we obviously see massive crowds. You know, it, it's a tradition um, and it, it appears from the outside looking in that racing in the United States is in great shape. We're going through a transition period in, transition period in New Zealand where it's not 
such in great shape. We're trying to rebuild it. Um, to, on a day-to-day basis, uh, racing in the United States, is it strong? Is it, is it, is it healthy? Um, I think we are too also in transition. Um, welfare is, is a huge talking point, um, probably globally. And, you know, we have new regulation and new um, government oversight in, in our industry through HISA, which is really trying to make sure the betterment of the sport, everyone is safe, equine athletes, human athletes, um, that racetrack operations are handling business properly. So, you know, that's been a big shift for us here. And we've had, you know, declining full crop sizes and, you know, definitely experiencing a reset um, to certain capacities. And so I think it's an opportunity that everyone is staring at to try and make this next pivot um, meaningful so that we can flourish and enjoy this amazing industry for decades to come. So not what now for, um, we haven't even talked about uh, your, your horse too much. Uh, what next for Arcangelo, um, a three-year-old? What do, you, what do you see on the horizon now? What, have you mapped out a, a plan going forward? Is it too early? Um, we have some targets. Uh, I'm not a race chaser. We will make sure that kind of how everything else has been correct and it has fallen into our lap and it has done he has said i'm ready at, at each um, point obviously there's two big races coming up through the summer at saratoga there's you know a kind of a natural stake schedule that happens and so if he's ready in seven weeks then we'll run if he's ready in 11 then we'll run but we're gonna let him um, keep leading us and keep the white noise down and, and let him keep do the talking and try and steward the best possible outcome we can yeah, it makes perfect sense. You're not a race chaser. What about a, a Caulfield Cup in October or a, um, a, a, tri- a, a, a trip down south? I'll have to look. Does he does he get does he get the grass turf or is he? I mean, what's and what's your split this of horse, horses that he's ridiculous? Yeah? I don't think he would care to be honest with you. And it's it's kind of the neat part about him where he's transitioned to two different surfaces now. Um, He's not a big, heavily built horse. He's a, a tall horse, but um, he has a little bit of the um, refinement of Tappet. And um, obviously, Arrogate was a little bit of a bigger bodied, heavier hitting horse. And it is probably the biggest blessing for this colt that he is a little bit lighter in that regard and, and just seems to be able to get across whatever we ask him. It, it, he's, he's, a, he's a colt. Did- do the owners have interest in standing him at stud? Is that um, something? Is that another aspect? And you've obviously you're quite a fay with the breeding side of things, being a pre-trainer and a pinhooker and that sort of stuff. So, right. um, is that is that an aspect that you need to consider? It's absolutely part of the management of him, um, and that p- part of the management of his career is making sure that we check the appropriate amount of boxes to set him up for his next career. Um, quite pleased that we made such a check mark on Saturday for him. Um, <laughs> but he'll, um, you know, and obviously with the Peter Pan. So he's he's done a couple of things already that should make that next transition pretty um, smooth and seamless for him. And right now we'll just continue to put the horse first. And there have been, you know, knocks at the door and, and obviously interest in him and his owner um, is just not there. He wants to just really enjoy this and stay in the moment and, understands that that will be there when when we're ready to have that conversation 
Gina, just finally, what what do you think this will do for women in racing? Because women in sport um, and the progress of, of women in sport is massive in this country, this part of the world. What about for women in racing? What do you hope it achieves? I just hope it achieves um, the opportunity for for someone to look at it a little differently. Um, if it if it inspires someone to work a little harder, that's amazing. If it gives someone encouragement when they feel there's just they're done or they're taxed out and just can't keep you know persevering, um, it's it's not even just the female trainers; it's the the smaller stables as well that you know spread it around a little bit, lean on these agents and, and bloodstock advisors to do a little homework on some of these smaller outfits. It's good for the game everywhere throughout the globe. If we're able to, um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having the larger stables, but we have to have a healthy middle market um, to, to make the whole ball go around. Well, Gina Antonucci, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. You have, uh, as you say, we all know that you've created history, but what you may well have done in opening up doors and opening up awareness, I think, is fantastic. As far away as little old New Zealand, you're a big story, so it's been great to catch up with you, I promise you. Um, I appreciate and, uh, it. And we, we're so grateful you've made, you made uh, some time out of your busy day for us. Uh, all the best going forward, uh, not with just this horse, but, of course, with your career. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you, guys. Have a great, great time.